Welcome to the Two Marketeers podcast, where marketing swashbucklers, Sean and Lindsay, seek to demystify the fascinating world of modern marketing. Each episode takes listeners on a storytelling adventure that informs, entertains, and inspires marketing enthusiasts of all kinds. And now, here are your hosts, the two marketeers themselves, Sean Patrick and Lindsay Wow! Yeah! Woo! Take the stick! Hello. 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 We're getting better. At not saying good morning? <laughs> no, just <laughs> everything. Just, you know, 20, 20, 20 times in, our 20th try, and probably our 50th try, but we're doing it. Yeah. Perfect. Like our, Clean, all hello. Garbage. Garbage episodes we threw out. Garbage. We're not going to sub- suscept, submit these. Suscept. We're not going to give people garbage. You can't start with suscept because I can't keep up with that for the next 45 minutes. Like, that's big. <laughs> okay. So, how are you today, Sean Patrick, wise guy? I'm wonderful, Lindsay Rockstar Wah. Good morning, fan. Good day to you, fan. Um, mom, let's how just are say you it. Today, let's just say mom. it. Hi, Lindsay's mom. She, she says hi. Hi. She says hi. Faithfully listening. How are you? How's your day been? Lovely. On point. Is that a good word? On point. On point. Okay. I've done all the things I try and do before our important hour together. Do you think people realize that it actually takes an hour for us to get half an hour? They must know that. I think if they knew us, they'd be like, they probably take six hours to take <laughs> yeah, to get half an hour. <laughs> right now, they just, I was listening Well, last time I went for a walk last night. I'm like, I just want to listen to last week's because I'd gone back and re-edited blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, it's, first of all, it's great. If you do say so yourself. If, if I do, do say, say so, so myself, myself, I might be susceptible to self-praise, but uh, there, I did it. I did it. <laughs> Used it. Now we can move on. <laughs> Used it. You use it or you lose it. Susceptible was the word of the day. Susceptible. I recently downloaded on my phone a word of the day app. I'm learning tons of new words. Mine comes like naturally on my screen. My screensaver is so random. I don't even know. I mean, you think I could, re- I would set it since I'm somewhat of a non-Luddite, but no, every few you weeks I'll look on be? my screen and it'll be like, oh, there it is. Anyways. Oh, that's nice. That's boring. What's exciting? Sure is. What else you got, <laughs> what else you got going on? <laughs> Thanks. All right. <laughs> Why don't you tell me then? <laughs> you know what? I was reading last night. I'm, I'm reading this Stop. book on... What? I'm just joking. Like, I didn't believe you. But yes, you were reading last night. I know. Yeah, I know. Because I don't read books. I know I was reading. My mind won't stop spinning these days. I have to read now. Wow. So, Everything okay? Yeah, everything's just... It's like, it's very good. No, it's very good. My brain's just like, gotta go, gotta go. And I'm like, no, you're still in lockdown. You go nowhere. And it's like, no, I swear I could go somewhere. And it's like, no. <laughs> Would well, you want to talk about the big the big day? What big day? You know, pulled out the old macage and hit the slopes. I don't need to bore people with my ski banter. How, how was it? You were out. Being out skiing? Yeah. Great. Great. Yeah, we skied Sunday or Saturday, Sunday, Monday last week. Wow. Um. Yeah, it was great. It's awesome. I think that's There's like changed. nobody out there. Yeah. yeah. I went Monday. It was freezing, a blizzard and glare ice, but it was fun. Yeah, it's so funny because I was there Monday morning at 10. Beautiful. You were there Monday night at 6, six? 7. Yeah. Yeah. Horrible. Yeah. 
Himalayan uh, typhoon, if that's a thing. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. It's not. Sounds like a drink. I want one. Okay. Yeah, I got one of those right about Well, I'm now. glad you got out because I can't imagine, even for me, who does get out on occasion, was like, the conditions were terrible, it's freezing cold, but I was just like, I'm out. I like, know, you feel renewed. So good. There's that energy. Yeah. But because of my frantic brain, I've been reading and I'm reading a book about like stoicism again because, you know, I get into stoicism every couple of months. Love it. Yeah, and stillness of the mind. It talks about stillness of the mind, body, and spirit. Okay. And I was into the stillness of the spirit section last night at 4.30 in the – or this morning, I guess, at 4.30 in the morning. And it was talking – it had an excerpt in there talking about Tiger Woods' life. Life, yeah. Tiger Woods's. Woods's. Was he misunderstood? <laughs> Tiger Woods' life. Holy moly, take some time, go look it up. Go look up like his past, how he was trained as a child, where he's come from, his like demise and his return. Yeah. It is I had no idea. There's a there's a really popular documentary out now. Oh really? Yeah. Oh. I haven't seen it, but I know we're like, okay, we gotta watch that. Yeah, like fascinating. Because they talk about someone who is so clear and focused in the mind. But bankrupt in the spirit. And I'm just like, whoa. Like, yeah, it's blowing my mind. I had no idea about his story. Anyways, very fascinating. And I will put the title of this book that I'm reading on stillness in our notes. We can maybe discuss it at some point because it's it's interesting from a strategist perspective. Um, I find the amount of quiet and focus you need in your mind to do really good work. So that's also why I'm reading it. Interesting. Anyways, so that's what I was doing at 4.30 in the morning. What were you doing? Sleeping. Oh, yeah, that sounds nice too. <laughs> Not to hmm. be boring, but I was probably sleeping. <laughs> yeah, that would have been cool. <laughs> when I can't sleep, when I don't, when I'm not sleeping, like when I should be, I read. So it, it definitely does, and that will tell me either it'll lead me back to sleep or it'll be like, nope, you're awake, move on. When I get up, I need to make sure it's right to get up. Yeah, not you're not up. rolling the dice on waking up earlier than you need to. No. Completely fair. Well, are you ready for some big research geek news today? Am I ever? Who to who? But you go first. <laughs> just kidding. Why do you have some big research geek? No, news? I don't. I was just stealing your thunder. That's what that looked like. Oh, my thunder's never stolen. I didn't even okay. recognize that. It is not up for grabs. No, sure all right. isn't. So, so, Lindsay, what are we going to talk about today? Well, for all of the marketing and information and research geeks out there, it's been a very interesting couple of weeks with the launch of the 2021 Edelman Trust Barometer. Dun, dun, dun. That's my symbol crash. I need to what? Hang on. I oh, I thought that was your mind exploding with excitement. Okay, it could have been the. I was going to say, I have to clean my microphone now but anyway i can hear you cleaning it and i don't my brain matter no okay that's good so for those who don't know i'm just going to read a little excerpt from the edelman website around this trust barometer because people who are listening to this may have never heard of the edelman trust barometer before um i didn't can i tell you i didn't really yeah no way yeah well i've been out of agency for about seven years right eight nine twelve thirty right Yes. No, that's interesting because it's interesting to know like what permeates outside of that kind of small circle of 
researchers, I guess. It's so impactful on all areas. It's more economic. You know what I mean? I thought it was like mm-hmm. you know, Edelman. I thought it was about branding and blah, like blah, blah. Like advertising, yeah. Yeah, and it's, no, it's it's how sentiment drives an economy. Yeah, and it's a global view. And anyways, again, for people who don't know, this is what Edelman says in their trust area of their website. So they say, we've studied trust for 20 years and believe that is the ultimate currency in the relationship that all institutions, companies and brands, governments, NGOs, which are non-government organizations, and media build with their stakeholders. Trust defines an organization's license to operate, lead, and succeed. Trust is the foundation that allows an organization to take responsible risk and, if it makes mistakes, to rebound from them. For a business, especially, lasting trust is the strongest insurance against competitive disruption, the antidote to consumer indifference, and the best path to continued growth. Without trust, credibility and reputation can be threatened. So they do something called the Edelman Trust Barometer, which they say turns the deep data we collect into real-world insights, and our trust consulting platform, Edelman Trust Management, interprets those insights to help our clients plan, make decisions, and take action. So let's pause there. Let's just reinforce the four. So there's companies and brands, governments, NGOs, which are non-government organizations, and media. Right. Those are the stakeholders that are analyzed. And how consumers, what their sentiment or trust is as it relates to each of those, what I'll call institutions. Correct? Yeah. And it's not necessarily consumers. It's just people. It's the population. Right. They break it down into um, what they call mass population and informed population. So we can also get into what that is. Um, This came out in February of 2021, which would have been analyzing the calendar year of 2020. Um, And they put out one of these every year that measures trust within that year against these four stakeholders. And the perception of mass population and the informed public and their barometer of trust with these four key stakeholders. So within the work that I do, um, this is a highly anticipated study that every year, you know, comes out. As soon as it comes out, we get it, we share it with our clients, we write point of views on what makes sense for their brands based on the information that's being provided in this year's trust barometer and what the impact of it is. Um, And then we use it as well to inform research as we move forward throughout the year. So you'll see content from the trust barometer quoted throughout strategies for then the rest of the year um, and how we apply that knowledge and insight into the work that we do for brands. Okay. So this year's Trust Barometer, it's actually, it's just so, it shouldn't be exciting because like we've been in a very hard year, so it shouldn't be like that exciting, but it's just that it's very. (laughs) I'm sorry about your loss, but man, am I pumped. Well, because the it's very different layers. Like there's some interesting stuff going on right now that some yeah. years it's like, well, it's kind of the same as last year. And, you know, there hasn't been any major shifts. Like there's been major change, I think, throughout everything that we've been seeing research-wise this year. Um, and Edelman's trust barometer for 2020 is obviously no different in that regard. Okay. So I trust rather- you. I trust you in saying that. You do? Oh, yeah. great. Okay. Well, my trust barometer is up. Yeah. Um, So rather than just reading, you know, some things from the trust barometer, I thought we would reference an industry uh, publication that I really enjoy reading to share some of the highlights summarized and some of what this means for brands. So um, I'm sharing an article from The Message. 
And we'll put this in the references of the episode so that you can read it. And the message is a newly launched uh, publication where they say, a new voice for a new age of Canadian marketing. Go Canada. Yeah, I love the message. And they've recently moved to a subscriber model as well. So you can subscribe to the message and they provide really great content on brands and agency and media and creative. So anyone looking to kind of stay up and up on the industry, especially in the Canadian market, the message is a really great um, publication and platform to be following along with. I see a whole new rabbit hole in my future. Thank you for the 430 AM read. I appreciate that. You're welcome. Um, and the, the message was co-founded and is co-edited by David Brown and Chris Powell. And so David Brown was the one who actually wrote this um, piece on the 2020 Edelman Trust Barometer. So I'm going to read from his article, which they posted on the message on February 19th of 2021, which would have been just after the 2020 Edelman Trust Barometer was released. That's kind of word soup. <laughs> like so, that. Okay. They say, a year of unrelenting, fast-moving news and change coming from all directions, don't wear masks, wear masks, wear more masks, appears to have Canadians less trusting of governments, businesses, and media. According to Edelman, which released its annual trust barometer report this week, Canada is facing a crisis in leadership and expert credibility. Amid urgent problems and in a year of crisis, leadership is failing, said Edelman in a statement announcing the release of the findings. The survey reveals government leaders, CEOs, and religious leaders are not trusted to do what's right, which is, you know, pretty impactful during a year where we're turning to these types of leaders to guide us through a pandemic. You hear these things and you're like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I love Mm -hmm. that it calls out stuff that might not be surprising, but it's factual and it has a huge impact yeah. on the entire economy, not just how we're feeling and, you know, how should we speak to customers? It's like, no, this is how the world is feeling mm-hmm. uh, and this will drive our economy. Yeah, huge, <laughs> huge implications of this type of um, research and insight. So they it. say, while the year was upended by a global health pandemic, the resulting economic turmoil seems to have had a dramatic effect on how Canadians feel about business leaders. Hmm. This is crazy, where they say fully 50% of Canadian survey respondents say business leaders are intentionally trying to mislead people by saying things that they know are false. Oh. Half of Canadians believe that to be true. Can you believe that? I can believe it, but it's, it's, it's disappointing. <laughs> it's really disappointing. They say the credibility of CEOs fell 5%, with only 29% of Canadians believing that they are a good source of information. And just 26% of Canadians trust board of directors. However, the survey also found a significant number of Canadians expect businesses to help address societal problems. 65% say CEOs should step in when government does not fix societal problems. And 69% say CEOs should hold themselves accountable to the public and not just to boards of directors and stakeholders. Boom. And furthermore, 67% of consumers believe they have the power to force corporations to change. So we'll just unpack that for a second. So 50% of Canadians believe that they're intentionally being misled. And 65% say that CEOs should step in to fix societal problems and that CEOs should have a responsibility to the public. And 67% of consumers believe that they themselves, so consumers, have the power to force corporations to change. Right. Not just human. Like, that's the distinction here, right? 
as yeah. a consumer, you have the power. They feel that they do, yes. Which when and that's all that matters. <laughs> and they do, right? It, that's, yeah. We've talked about voting with your wallets before. Yeah. And this is really what it is, right? So they feel that their decisions have the impact to make corporations change and that they feel those corporations should be held responsible to the public, especially when they feel that governments and media and other sources of information and action are failing them. And what's the best way for a company to represent itself to a consumer? That's a brand! The <laughs> That's the question. So uh, I'm just going to read a little bit more from this article. So it says, there's a clear message for marketers in the trust barometer data. Consumers' expectations of brands are evolving quickly. They now have a seat at the table and will not be shy about pushing brands and businesses to play a meaningful role in solving some of the big problems society is wrestling with. The brands that recognize this and play into it will lead the way in building and maintaining trust with consumers. I got all tingly when I read that. Like, it's the big opportunity, right? Right. This yeah. is why you're so excited? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because... For whoever any... would have thought that brands, not government, not NGO... Right. Media, no surprise. Right. Yeah, and I think typically when you see this type of work come out, it's like, oh, well, trust is, you know, it's doing okay. And then we go as strategists and say, like, trust is the foundation of brand building and connecting with people. And they're like, well, you know, trust across the board is kind of all right. So do we really need to do it? Like, no, <laughs> this year trust is in the shit. Brands are now being held responsible by consumers to step in. And if you do not, you will not have the trust, which will not lead to loyalty, which will not lead to interactions and engagement with your business. If you do not do something now about trust, you're Goodbye. going to be left behind. And people, people are happy to be leaving you behind now. People, be ready. The next time you have Lindsay in a meeting, she will be expected to sit at the head of the table. <laughs> And well-deserved. Do I get to go into a meeting room? Yay! Well, it's all <laughs> metaphorical, okay, Lindsay? Okay, so it says, Edmund looked at how trust levels varied between the entire population and what it calls the informed public. So we talked about that mm -hmm. um, a little bit earlier. So the informed public are those with higher education, higher incomes, and higher level of media consumption. And the mass population refers to the pop population excluding the informed public. Informed Canadians' trust in businesses has fallen in the past year, while the mass population now trusts them more. So there used to be a really big gap between yes. the informed public and the mass population. And now that gap is closing because people who are, have access, they say, to more media, more information, have a higher, higher education, are trusting less. And people who are now the mass population are actually trusting more, whether it's actually warranted or not, because they have, as they say, less access to accurate information and things like that. Can I share an opinion? Please. Or can I ask you a question, a loaded question that you don't even need to answer? Sure. <laughs> do you not feel that a lot of what's come out isn't actually fully just because it was the year of the pandemic and all the stuff that happened in 2020 but it's a culmination of the trump administration let's talk here businesses are now more valued as credible than the government is that administration changed things globally 
Yeah, I think there is a halo effect of the American political situation that's impacting the trust that Canadians have on the government in combination with the way that the informed public has seen the government react specifically to COVID. So I feel like those combined um, elements have had a massive impact on government trust. Yeah. What happened that people would trust businesses more than the government? Yeah. You know? And I feel like it's a bit of a letdown. Like it's kind of a, so they say last spring, Edelman released a special update to its annual findings that considered how the early weeks of the pandemic changed trust levels. So this would be a few weeks into the pandemic. They measured the trust levels against those key stakeholders. So they say, That survey found that much of the public responded positively to the way businesses, government, NGOs, and the media had reacted to the pandemic, with trust levels rising on all four. So the beginning of the pandemic, trust levels went up. Everyone's saying, we're here for you. Um, And you're following along closely to government plans on responding to COVID. And then they say less than a year later, many of those gains have already been lost. And so it's the consistency of trust-building efforts and kind of proof that's in the pudding that I think has, again, reduced trust. Yeah, and I think at that time, so much focus was on um, the pandemic and, you know, getting through safety. And then what started to happen is that additional tension, which you always talk about, which is the economy. Like how Mm -hmm. long, you know, what's the economy going to do? It's interesting. Yeah. And the last point is that Edelman also looked at what it calls information hygiene, a scale based on four criteria, which I think is so so interesting. (laughs) News engagement, avoid information echo chambers, verify information, (laughs) and do not amplify unvetted information. And Edelman concluded that 46% of respondents have poor information hygiene, with only 20% having good information hygiene. So what that means is... Poor hygiene, they say, could threaten pandemic recovery. Asked about willingness to get the vaccine within a year, for example, 73% of those with good information hygiene said they would, so they would get the vaccine, compared to 59% of those with poor information hygiene. So essentially... Can we talk about the new title? Can we talk about the new title? People are going to become information hygienists. Oh my goodness. Is that like a data scientist? It's more like a data dentist. Wow. It's an information hygienist. I like it. Okay, I'm into sorry, it. keep going. No, I'm into it. But essentially what they're equating this to is saying that people who have, who are more educated, higher incomes, um, who have access to more media information. Which would be the informed people, public. That's the informed they... public, yeah, okay. tend to have good information hygiene and so that means people who have access to more information better information are willing to avoid echo chambers and things like that are more likely to get the vaccine than the mass population which only reinforces just to go back from bring it back to branding some of the brands have really been strategic you've talked about budweiser and that sort of stuff in you know jumping ahead and saying we're not spending money on super bowl this way this just shows how strategic Exactly. Some of the better brands are. 100%. Love it. Yeah. Realizing that they need to get better quality information out to the mass population to get them to make the decision. Yay, beer. Right? Beer once right? again. I know. So that's the article written by David Brown from The Message, just summarizing some of the findings and the impact that that has. 
Um, and clearly a lot for us to, you know, unpack and use to help brands um, rebuild or build kind of for the first time trust in a very distrusting um, economy, as you say. And, and that's what you get paid for, unpacking. Right. I would think it would be more packing just knowing your this- your fashion trends, but <laughs> clearly you have to make room for that. So unpacking will be your specialty. Yeah, let's unpack it. So I just talked for about half an hour. So so I didn't really let you chime in very much. But what do you think? Uh, it's been fun. It's uh, have a great week, everyone. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> We're done. You are a geek. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna go hang out with the study all day. So I'm sorry if I'm a geek, but I love it. It's what I love about you. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the one thing that's up. I'll say it again. Businesses. The, you know, the opportunity is, as they say, it's high stakes for business. Um, while the right. world seems to be clouded by mistrust and misinformation, there's a glimmer of hope in business. And I mean, hey, that's the thing to take from it, right? For us, because that's what we do. Um, this year's study shows that business is not only the most trusted institution among the four studies, but it is also the only trusted institution with a 61% trust level globally. So right. that's just to say, like, there's Canada... Um, but globally, this is a thing, and I think that's really important. It is a, a global movement or shift. And I think they were saying that um, Canadian-owned or Canadian-headquartered businesses had very high trust levels globally as well, right? I don't know. I didn't look at Canada specifically. I had yeah, a that's what that's what they said. Okay. Yeah, so companies that are headquartered or based in Canada across the world have very high trust levels. So this is this is the gold. When the government is absent, people clearly expect business to step in and fill the void, and the high expectations of business to address and solve today's challenges has never been more apparent. So yes, that came out what you said, but I want to end with that. Right. Lindsay will be sitting sitting at the head of the table. Um, I'm joking. But it, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Branding and marketing has a huge role to play in businesses of any size right now. And I don't think it's ever been a bigger opportunity for companies to leverage their brands and how they market them, whether you're a company of two or a major global corporation. Now's the time to really understand the importance of what your brand can do and how to best market it. Mm-hmm. It's kind of the reason why I went to small businesses because I have the ability to influence CEOs or you know owners of small businesses a lot more directly to listen to reason. Mm-hmm. So it's really exciting. And it just, we said this and now it's just like, I'm literally tattooing this somewhere on my body. Um, (laughs) The heightened expectations of business brings CEOs new demands to focus on societal engagement with the same rigor, thoughtfulness, and energy used to deliver on profits. Boom. Yeah. Big challenge. (laughs) Right? Right? Thank you, Ellen. And I think like... (laughs) I think even, you know, in two years ago, like 2018 and 2019, when people are talking so much about, you know, ad blocking and we don't want to hear from brands and we don't want advertising. I think at the beginning of the pandemic, it was like the first time in a long time that I've seen consumers say that they're craving to hear from brands. We want to hear from you. We want to be supported by you. We want you to be talking to us. We don't trust the government. We need to feel supported. And we believe that that's a role of brands and businesses to communicate that to us. We were like, what? People finally want to hear. Like, they I want think we to- need to clear our calendar for the next 12 months, Lindsay. <laughs> 
Well, they trust, like you say, they're the most trusted of all four key stakeholders at all four institutions, and consumers want to hear from them. Yeah, and if trust is singularly the opportunity at hand, it's high stakes. I think you and me have have some opportunities to show companies of any size how important your brand is and its specific role that it has to play. And I think at any level, even last episode, we talked about how it can be really frustrating sometimes because we're engaged on projects where it's like, yeah, you say you're this, but your brand isn't. You're not there. You're, exactly. You haven't been doing that, you know? Right. So it's great. It is very exciting. I'm, I mean, when Lindsay said, I think we should talk about that, I was kind of like, oh my God, I have to read a freaking report. Shoot <laughs> I'm like, I come browsed. on, it's so exciting. And it just came out and I think the people need to hear about it. We should talk about it. I browsed. Um, one thing I thought browse. would be really helpful is I kind of thought I'd take it back to let's talk about from Edelman's perspective and from experts, why does trust matter? And it's very plain, it's very layperson language. Sure. Um, what is trust? And they start with two that are kind of like so basic, but trust is a belief in the future. It is predictive in nature. Next point. It is a willingness to accept uncertainty. For example, trying a new brand or a product. So as it relates to, it's still like, it's big, but then you can very quickly directly apply it to a consumer behavior with brands. Right. Trust enables smoother, deeper, and more meaningful consumer relationships. Yes. Next, trusting is a rational and emotional process built from conscious and unconscious biases. Mm-hmm. And trust is magic, intricate, powerful, yet very subjective and complex. Agreed. Why didn't I just become a bartender? <laughs> a barista. No, a bartender. I used to be a bartender. Anyways. Me too. All right. So <laughs> in partnership with renowned academics and business leaders, ETM, which is uh, Edelman Trust Meter. Is that what it is? It's, oh, Trust Management. Correct. Okay. Yeah, ETM, it's their management platform. Yeah, it's it's l- literally the service they provide, uh, and this is the foundation of, was initially developed and continues to exist to help companies and brands better understand and accrue trust as an asset and a driver of business. Right. Of economy. That's the distinction. Yeah. And then in the end, you know, the, the general thing to know is trust in gross domestic and GDP, gross domestic product, which is essentially a country's economic measure, are correlated. I don't need to go more into that, but I mean it's proven. So something that was that was referred to as trust is magic. You know what I mean? It's like, well that's hard as you and I know, it's high value if you can prove it. You can't sell magic, man. Can't (laughs) unless it's unless you're Phil Dumphy, but don't get me going on that. All right. (laughs) So that's just like you you blew my mind. Boring topic until I read it. Thank you, Lindsay. You you thought it was boring? Oh, you sounded... No, I... You were appeasing me at the time. You're like, yeah, cool, good. Yeah, okay, cool. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I am kidding. I just need people to know that you're the academic one and the smart one. I'm the Got pretty it. one. Oh, yeah. You're, you're always the face. You're the face of this brand on our podcast. The bearded face. That's a whole other place. <laughs> All right. Face built for audio. <laughs> It wasn't built. What are you saying? Uh, All right. So I was looking and I found an article by Inc.com. Inc. is actually a little bit more focused. It's brilliant. It's great. It's been around for a long time, but it's really focused on entrepreneurs. 
Um, it's from 2019, and I didn't have a problem with that because I wanted to kind of think, what was it like for, regardless of what 2020 was like? Um, right. And it's by uh, Damon Brown. And the title is How to Build Customer Trust in Three Powerful Ways. I know you'd love that. Three. Tidy three. We've, I think we've said that on so many episodes. A quick tidy three. Tidy three. That's going in your in your dictionary. In Company of One, which is a book that I have Blinkist read, and it has changed my life. It has guided how I built Wise Guy, and it's so easy to read. It's called The Company of One, Paul Jarvis. I just found out he's Canadian. Love me even Really? More. Yes. Cool. Shows th- Okay, hmm. so in Company of One, Paul Jarvis shows three ways small companies can build trust. Here's how to create strong relationships regardless of business size. His whole approach is no matter how big you want your company to be, you can start it as a company of one and imagine how you maintain that sort of those sort of that sort of mentality and how it can grow. We're not looking. He's not. He does talk about, you know, a few hundred, but it's like, look, think big, but don't change because you're big. How do you flip that? So. The three ways, you know, in new in the new paperback, it, it's not new anymore. He's a designer. That's another thing I didn't realize. He's Paul Jarvis is a designer. I wonder you author. love this guy. I know. Design thinking. He argues that getting big is no longer the symbol of business success. There's no argument. Sorry. Thanks, Paul. I agree. This is what the author said, Damon Brown. As some of the most dynamic companies today, from Basecamp to Mailchimp, focus on agility rather than girth. Girth, that's so, so descriptive. Do we need to say agility in more of our presentations and discovery documents, Lindsay? Oh my goodness. Because it's true. The smaller you are, though, the more you need to build and keep trust. Corporations may be able to better skate through public trust issues. Small businesses tend to feel every bump on the road. Huh? Right. So what I want to talk about is what he calls the three aspects of customer trust. Interesting. Tidy three. Confidence, competence, and benevolence. Really? Okay. Yeah, you might you might fall in love with them too. Number Please one. Please expand. Right. Number one, the title is I believe what you say. Confidence is your customer thinking you are telling the truth. This may be the toughest dimension of trust to build as it requires you show up again and again and again. It requires you to follow through on what you promise. You ready yep. for this? Attention is much easier to get than trust. That's because consistency is hard. I love this because what I wrote what I wrote <laughs> down in my tidy four is consistency over time. You can't use tidy. It's been taken. <laughs> Dang. Okay. Number two, I believe you have the skills to do what you say. Competence is your customer. So sorry, take a break. Number one is where everyone needs to focus right now. And it's the hardest part and it's where you need to invest the most resources and time. Say again what number one was. Is getting the customer to say, I believe what you say. Okay. Confidence. Right? It's not about getting attention. It's about keeping it and Believing the it. message that they see. Attention yes. is seeing the message. Confidence is believing the message they see. Over time by reinforcing the right sort of consistency, but relevance as you go. Right? Got it. Not saying the same thing over and over, but reflecting the same message in relevance. Got it. Number two. two. Two, baby. What is two. it? Two. Hit me. Uh, tidy two. I believe you have the <laughs> skills to do what you say. Competence, which is the word, is your customer believing you have the resources and skills to do the job. Corporations yes. have an advantage here. 
it's easier to think a billion dollar multinational company won't fumble the ball. So that's where it leans over to, you know, yeah, it's easy. Yeah. Well, is it? No, but once you've gotten through number one, this is this is much more smooth. Yeah, an example would be like uh, shipping. You believe that Amazon has the capabilities to get something to you same day, 10 p.m. against mom and pop shop down the street that I'm ordering from Toronto, but to Vancouver, less less belief in the ability to deliver on same day shipping. Exactly, and they're not. If they're going to keep bugging you, if you're already an Amazon customer, say, and do we mention free shipping? By the way, it's free shipping. We offer free shipping. You're like, that's not what's going to do it. So Amazon creates something called Prime, very strategic, but it creates a sub brand that in and of itself means free shipping. Right. Through membership. Practical example. Beautiful. Okay. Uh, So as solopreneurs, consultants, and small business owners, we can build competence, trust, by making a powerful impact with our work. We don't need a huge staff or a skyscraper office. We are going beyond expectations with the resources on hand. Got it. So you have control over it. It doesn't have to become this big political siloed thing. So you just get to it and stay true to it. Right. Number three, I believe you're acting on my behalf. Mm. There it is. But you can't do three. Yes, you cannot do three without two and one firmly in place. And I think those some have tried. We're here with you. Right. We're here along the way. Big middle finger. All right. The word is benevolence, which is a word that's becoming more and more seriously considered. It's taking a little while. But once you've achieved one and two, benevolence is your customer seeing you be their advocate. And we are back to the problem. Interesting. Of the three aspects of trust, benevolence may be the one most associated with smaller companies. The more customers feel like a number, the less likely they believe in a business having their best interests in mind or having them in mind at all. So that's where there is a benefit for smaller companies uh, to keep that going. And I think for smaller companies, the goal is to not, you know, we've all said it's no, uh, the success of a business is no longer strictly its profits right? Or it's sales. Mm -hmm. And that's the big shift that has to start happening is those CEOs need to stop thinking that if they just throw money at it, they will win the consumers back. Right. It's effort, it's time, it's investment. So yeah, there's an example with Google. Interesting. Yeah, there's an example with Google where a former exec said the company culture has completely ditched its famous motto, which I wasn't aware of that they even had. It was called Don't Be Evil. Um, they, yeah. they actually, right? So you've heard about that. They actually removed yeah. it. Um, but in the end, the outcome is Google obviously has competence, but confidence is eroding and benevolence was literally ditched as its North Star. So the piece mm. that represented the message is we're good people and we care about you is their own self-imposed do not be evil. It's kind of funny. It's catchy. They took it out and that's the benevolence aspect of it in a cheeky way. So now you feel like they're missing that third step? Benevolence was literally ditched. Like by doing that action and taking out that, thinking it's not a message we want to convey, they've right. taken out. Um, Have they replaced it with anything? No. It was an internal sort of mantra, I believe. But okay. by kind of pulling that back, I think people forget the importance that employees. So when we talk about people, we're talking about people here. We're not talking about consumers. Yeah. The employees are the advocates for the brand. If you have how many employees does Google have, for goodness sake, right? And you're seen as being one of the top employers. You do something like that, 
for the sake of profit, because why else would you do that? Getting in hmm. the way of making more money, it's going to, hmm. the cards begin to fall. Right. The dominoes. That's interesting. Yeah. And it ends with what elements of trust would customers say about your business? And my little push is your brand has the power to influence and affect that. So use it. Right. Yeah, that's so interesting. I really love those three, the three kind of takeaways. Um, The only, yeah, I love the tidy three. I love the tidy three, and I think that they are all one hundred percent accurate. The only thing I wonder about is the order of them, because when I was, I just challenged myself before this episode to say, okay, if someone just said to me, hey, simply, how do you? Well, how do you build trust for for a brand? You know, how do you do it? You're saying trust is now in the gutter. So what do we do? <laughs> you know, what do we do about it? Mm-hmm. And for me, it's it's quite simple. And I had written down, an, I guess, not so tidy four kind of thing. <laughs> now is I'm it thinking. An, is it a, a less than hygienic four? It, is, it could be less than hygienic at this but point. But I don't want to throw you off because I don't think it's in order. I think it depends on you have to review right. those things, right? So yes. you can go right to three because your brand, you already have that. They do know you. They do believe it. So yes. it's as you prepare, you have to kind of look at your situation and then evaluate where you are. Right. Okay. So that's good great. point. Yeah. It's not starting because, from scratch. Right. Yeah. Because what I said as my number one, like the first thing, especially now, I think that you need to do is figure out what you stand for. Yes. So in the example of Google removing don't be evil, it's that you you need to figure out what your current brand aligns to and then and showcase this. And does that brand purpose work need to be done or does it need to be revisited? So in the example of Google, perhaps they're in the process of revisiting their internal North Star. Like what do they stand for? What is the purpose of the brand? And especially in today's day and age, what are the core beliefs that they have that they are all going to march towards as the North Star? So I, for me, that's the first thing, figuring out what you stand for yeah, and revisiting it if you already have something that's, you know, a standing purpose. Mm-hmm. And the second thing I would say that people need to do is determine if what you stand for aligns to you, to your customer base and how. So it's it's saying... We now know that our business stands for this. This is our purpose for being. Does that purpose for being align to our most valued customers? And how can we showcase our purpose for being and our beliefs and align it to our customers' beliefs so that we can make that connection authentically? Mm -hmm. And then the third thing would be, as we've talked about with story doing, do actions first to support the purpose. So you have your purpose, you know that purpose aligns to your most valued customers, do things that are action oriented that align to that purpose. So you start by action. Yep. And the fourth thing would be live up to what you say you'll do and talk about examples of that. So do the things that are great and then start to talk about the great things that you're doing so you can get those messages in front of your most valued customers. But don't do the latter don't do the, yes. the latter. Don't as, talk about it before you've done anything. And don't just do it for the sake of talking about it. Exactly. You know, yeah. It's got to be at the heart of the business. And so I think what I kind of summarized here is exactly what you're talking about. I said, if you have brand purpose that aligns to the beliefs, beliefs, sorry, if you have brand purpose that aligns to the beliefs of your customers and you live up to what you say you'll do consistently over time, that is the biggest piece you'll build trust and drive loyalty long-term. And if you don't, you're going to pay the price for it. So for me, it's purpose, 
action, communication consistently over time. And I think consistently over time, it's the effort and and path you want to take. You're going to make mistakes. But if you build it that way, you can fix mistakes. If you don't, do you know what I mean? Like, we don't want to create mm-hmm. this so that you have to do it this way. If you don't, you're going to die. It's like, no, you have to take this approach and commit to it, knowing that you're going to make mistakes. But because of choosing this road consistently over time, you can right any wrongs as you go. Right. It's a lot more foolproof. You're for from a branding stand, you know, from what we do, that's the approach. The mm-hmm. idea is that the company clearly understands because this is human, this is global, this is economy. Understand, uh, use a gauge of where is this company right now? Forget the brand. You know what I mean? That's right. why I kind of see the three, the tidy three is like everything is, you know, you got to go back. This is a CEO has to do. What you're talking about is we just need to check in on where those things are. So we can focus and apply the four things in the process that we do. Right. I went into this thinking it was going to be brand information. This is like mind-blowing. Holy crap. What we do is so important on a smaller scale, but ladders up a lot more directly than I even realized. Right. To success. Yeah. Crazy. Especially when they say trust is so closely tied to GDP measures, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we could do a whole episode on that. Yeah, maybe we will. (laughs) Become the informed public and dive into that as well. So I hope we appeal to the geeks. I hope we appeal to your mom. (laughs) But this is worth, even if you're not in marketing, even if you're not in advertising, if you're not in strategy, just as a person in the world analyzing your own personal view on trust against these key stakeholders, government, media, figuring out what's going on, figuring out where you can, who you can actually trust, where you can lean in, all of these things um, in your in your life, I think can really help Absolutely. ease things like stress and anxiety and, and all of that with, with, with what's going on right now to even evaluate your own personal stance on trust. Yes. Even as I think a great example is an employee within a large corporation and maybe your management, maybe your senior leadership, whatever you are, it just gives you that perspective to say, no, you have the right to ask these questions. This is human driven. So you have the right to question whether the company is doing the right thing. You have the right to pause and say, it's not just about the company being successful so you get paid. If that is, then keep going and good luck to you. But if it isn't, it's, you know, especially when we, we know about millennials and Gen Z and we're that what's important to them, this is just a great eye-opener to say, wait, I think I understand this. And it's a lot more basic human logic than I ever realized business was. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact I'm a business owner, I mean, come on, that's laughable. But anyways. <laughs> Thank you for being the spark on this one. It's been no, great. No, of course. My pleasure. And we'll share the link to the 2021 Edelman Trust Barometer Report. We'll share the link to um, the message article. We'll share the link to the ink article as well as um, to my, the book I'm reading on stillness in case you're interested um, and share all of these in the notes. But we, I think we definitely want to continue the conversation on this topic and I'm sure it will uh, continue to rear its beautiful head throughout the course of our year's worth of episodes. <laughs> rear its beautiful head. There's the name of the podcast. You had to wait to the last 10 seconds. Wonderful. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, have a wonderful week, Lindsay. You too. Thank Goodbye, you so fan. much. <laughs> Bye, fans. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs> Bye. That's it for this episode, my fellow marketeers. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, subscribe to this podcast at thetwomarketeers.ca. That's thetwomarketeers.ca. Spell it out.
Be sure to tune in for more marketing adventures every month from us, the two marketeers, but you can just call us Sean and Lindsay. Actually, I, I would prefer Wise Guy. Yeah, I, I know you would. We're not, we're not doing that.